Welcome, welcome. Uh, can I? Am I heard? Yes. Can you hear me fine? Yes. So that okay. must mean this is uh, Gaming Sessions Podcast, where I am, of course, your host, David, my co-host, Gerald. Uh, How's everybody doing today? Hope you've been being safe out there. Yes, yes. Safety. Number one priority. Um, so, yeah, we've uh, got an interesting episode, I think. Uh, thank you to the people last week, all eight of you who gave us a listen. Uh, I hope you came back for more. So, how was your week? Uh, my week was pretty all right. Uh, recording videos, editing videos. Um, I did sit down. I, I did sit down to do just a couple of leisure things. Um, I had been. I think it had even been mentioned at one time on our podcast, the movie "The Old Guard." Um, and oh, either that, or I heard it. I heard it somewhere, but I, I, I had heard about it, and I'd heard about it at least two or three times. And I was on Netflix, and I saw the movie on Netflix, so I sat down to watch it, and it stars Charlize, Th- uh, Charlize Theron. I think I'm pronouncing oh, her first yeah, name. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the one where they're like immortals. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually thought it was pretty good. Um, it wasn't a blockbuster or anything, but I actually <laughs> thought it was a pretty good movie i liked uh i liked how they how they did it um and how even the immortals aren't really immortal because eventually it's well that's a big reveal for those of you who are interested in the uh who are interested in the movie i won't i'll try i'll i won't spoil anything by going too much into it but i thought it was a good watch so if you if you have netflix and you have a little, you have about what I think an hour and a half, hour and forty-five minutes to sit down and watch a movie. This you could do a lot worse than the old guard. It wasn't too bad. Um, hmm. uh, but yeah, the it is about them being immortals, and you find that out very quickly. I think you find out about it within like the first, I want to say, fifteen minutes of the movie. But um, it is. I was watching it, and. For the first half of the movie, it felt very much like Highlander. Yeah. <laughs> well, they got to um, get the idea from somewhere, right? Yeah, I, I yeah, I suppose so. But yeah, like it, it I was like, is this gonna be like a it, like? I was just like, man, this reminds me so much of of uh, Duncan McLeod of the Clan McLeod. I'm like, <laughs> hmm. right. Also, don't forget, uh, don't forget Han Hancock. Because she was also in Hancock, and she was one of them, using quotation marks. Oh, well, yeah, Charlize uh, Theron played uh, one of the metahumans in uh, Hancock, yeah. But Hancock is such an old movie. If you don't know anything about it, I'm, I'm not going to worry about spoiling that. That movie is old. If you, <laughs> That movie's like, what, 10 years, 7 to 10 years old by now? Something like that, if, yeah. Yeah, if you don't know about it, or have I mean, like it stars Will Smith. There, there aren't even kids born five years ago who don't know who Will Smith is. And if you didn't take the time to look into other movies he's done that might be good that you might want to watch, that is on you. But hmm. uh, yeah, Charlize Theron, yeah, she plays the other metahuman in uh, Hancock. Um, but Charlize Theron always does a pretty good job and. 
just about any role she's put in. She is just a really good actress. Um, I, I, I wish her social views were more reasonable, educated, and <laughs> well, I haven't just heard about what's that? fueled more by common sense rather than the current social climate. But as far as an actress, she's an amazing actress. The if not the like honestly. I would outright put her as a better actress than Scarlett Johansson. Everybody seems to tote that Scarlett Johansson is like the best actress in Hollywood. Is like you must not know who Charlize Theron is. So she was also <laughs> like she was also an Aeon Flux. And, well, she was also in Devil's Advocate. Was amazing in that. Like God, she's done a lot. I I can't. Huh? Talk about dated. <laughs> well, yeah, I was thinking. I was actually this week thinking about old movies that I need to rewatch and stuff like that. And Devil Devil's Advocate made the list. Um, it's also an old Keanu Reeves movie because it stars Keanu Reeves and Charlize Theron and Al Pacino. Uh, Al Pacino. Yeah. So I was like, well, yeah, I need to sit down and rewatch that Devil. at some point in time. Yeah, but. Uh, but yeah, I, I actually liked the movie. I enjoyed it. I thought the themes that they did in the old guard uh, were fairly well thought out. I think the only thing I really had an issue with is that, and I, I, I don't think this is a spoiler or anything, but the only thing I really had an issue with is that when dealing with Charlize, they don't do common sense ways of dealing with them uh, of dealing with her right like hmm. like she's immortal that's you you find that out fairly early in the movie right so you know and they can come back from anything like car like plane crash like the only thing well i i won't say they can come back from anything because they never showed them being chopped into pieces so I don't know how they ha how their immortality handles that. Um, but bomb explosions, plane crashes, getting shot, any of that stuff, they just come back from that. Um, but in, in my expertise, it's like if something won't die, you just catch it, right? Hmm. Like you imprison it. And that's... You know, it, like you can't kill it, so you have to imprison it. You have to seal it away. It's why a lot of folklore with spirits and things like that, there are these immortal creatures, they always are being sealed away because you can't destroy them for the most part, or at least the stronger ones. Um, but, I, I, but I did that. I did that. Um, mm. I also, I meant to get around to, I still haven't read the new Dresden Files book. I read the first chapter. I put it down because I wanted to finish up some writing before I actually got into it. I still haven't done that. So I've still been meaning to, to cut out some time so I can sit down and read through the whole book. So I've got to get around to that. Um, oh, and I was, so I've been perusing anime here and there, right? Um, mm -hmm. I'm an avid anime. I'm an avid anime watcher. I do like watching anime. Um, I do have a, a, a lot of favorite animes. Well, they came out recently with the Demon King Misfit Academy anime. And it's your basic uh, 
like I like just brass tacks. It's your basic like self fulfillment anime. The main character is the biggest badass that has ever been a badass. Nothing can stop him. Nothing can beat him. And all the women want to bear his children. Right? Hmm. Of course. Typical, right? Typical fulfillment anime. (laughs) Um, Everything he does turns out gold. There's nothing. There's no problem he can't fix. Right? Um, Well, there's a. Oh, he's yeah. I don't know what the male version of a Mary Sue is called. I forget. Um, but yeah, he's Mary Sue times a hundred. If if you thought Ray was a Mary Sue, multiply <laughs> that by a hundred. Uh... Like, like, and I guess I don't want to spoil it for any listeners who also are anime watchers and lovers and don't know about the anime and would like to watch it. But there is a point in time where he literally defeats, like he he's the reincarnation of the Demon ah. King, and you find that out in the very first episode. Reincarnation okay. of the Demon King. So the male version is either Gary Stew, Marty Stew, or Larry Stew. Okay, he's a Gary. He's a Gary Stew then. Yeah, there you go. But he's a reincarnation of the original, basically like the original Demon King or the most powerful Demon King to have ever been born or existed. And there's a point in time when he fights a literal god and wins. Like, not not even, just, just wins. Hmm. Like, the, the reason he wins doesn't even really make sense, but just wins. <laughs> But the reason I bring this up is because there's an episode where he's in a tournament arc, and it is a sword master. It's a uh, I don't want to say sword master tournament, but it is a swordsmen tournament, right? Uh, right. So it is it is sword masters sword. Uh, what is the word I'm looking for? A sword play tournament or sword. Something, something. There's a there's something you particularly call someone who fights with a sword. They are sword something. They're not because you have sword masters, but there's a general word for someone who fights primarily with a blade. A swordsman and a, a swordsman. There we go. It's a swordsman's tournament. Um. So everyone in it is a swordsman, and he is fighting one of the higher class. And the themes of the show tend to revolve around the high class oppressing the low class and the low class getting tired of that shit and hmm. trying to push back on it and the high class going, well, you can't do that. We're high class and you're, you're, you're commoner. That, that typical bullshit. Um, Get the well, he's in the tournament and he's up <laughs> against a noble and he starts fighting this noble and of course he's easily beating this noble. But what hmm. makes this so fucked up is that previous episode he, he he's gathered a following of these girls like up to like 10 it's a group of them and while he is fighting and easily defeating this noble they literally start singing a song talking about how 
it's an easy win for him, how his opponent never stood a chance, how could they even think they could, Anos is the best thing since ever, the guy should have just quit while he had the chance, like, it's a literal chorus that they're singing, while these two guys are fighting, demeaning his opponent, I was like, that's some ratchet shit, (laughs) wow, that is, I was like, wow, that is some fucked up shit. Now, was the noble he, he was fighting, was he a dirtbag? Yeah, he was. But that doesn't mean just because he was a dirtbag that what they were doing wasn't fucked up. <laughs> so I was like, what? It was just one of those moments where I was like, wow, that's fucked. Like, they, they, they play it like it's this big this this big moment of the girls praising him and I'm just like wow that is so fucked though and <laughs> let's also now also part of this is the fact that the only reason they even care is because Anos is basically invincible this it, it's the entire reason the girls approached him in the first place hmm, um, if he hadn't been as powerful as he was they wouldn't have cared that he existed. <laughs> so, that, so it was kind of that. Just kind of goes back to the to the whole, you know, if you're a man, in, unless you're some kind of superstar or something, then you don't really matter. But that's well, it's not subject. that. <laughs> but that's a subject well, for well, a different cast. Well, right, but that's a subject for a different cast. But I, I, I do want to state on the point that you make. It's not so much that you have to be a superstar. And Chris Rock said it really well. He did a stand-up. He was like, only women, children, and dogs get unconditional love. A man <laughs> only is allowed to have love when he offers something. Right. And that's yeah. what it is. <laughs> like, women, children, dogs, they have to do nothing to garner love men have to offer something to gain love plain and simple right the 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 hard truth of reality um but yeah now i am criticizing this part of the anime and the anime is not good like don't get me wrong this is not a good anime it's not even a good manga it's it's a flimsy story the character is overpowered it's the character interactions don't when when you have an invincible character the story has to be about the interactions between the characters because anytime he fights someone you're never worried that he's going to lose right hmm. you would be better off focusing on the fights of the other characters because they're actually uh they can actually be killed they can actually be hurt um, there's tension in those fights, and they do do that later on in the series. There's a fight that happens where it's not uh, Anos is not involved in it at all. Um, but when you do an invincible, but they their character interactions aren't really very good. See, the problem with an invincible character is yes, in a fight he can't be beaten, so there's no tension. So what he has to do is come across actual problems that he just can't fix by snapping his fingers if he can fix any if he can do and fix any problem simply by snapping his fingers the story is just bland and there's 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 nothing there there's nothing there 
but it's kind of a bit of a I don't know why, but it's kind of a bit of a guilty pleasure and it's been keeping my attention. So I've been watching <laughs> it. Um but yeah, it's like you you can't have a character that just solves every problem, right? Because mm-hmm. there's no story there. It's just oh, it, it, there's not even any real problems because every time he comes across something and, and someone goes, oh, this is a problem, he's just like, no, it isn't fixed. No, it isn't fixed. No, it isn't fixed. Oh, well, I thought we were going to have some actual conflict in this story and him have to actually deal with something uh, that his power could not fix. And he had to deal with it like a normal person through talking to them and, you know, uh, like talking it out with them and emotions and you know connections and stuff like that and they they do have that a little bit but the moment the problem becomes something that normally couldn't be fixed and a lesson could be learned from it he's just fixed fixed <laughs> fixed <laughs> like which is hilarious because I like women friends of mine and actual like uh, women who talk about uh, interactions between men and women because a lot of the things he fixes are for mostly the female characters. And the thing about it is women I've talked to and women I've listened to say quite often that when a guy goes into fix-it mode because they are distressed, they don't want the problem fixed. They just they want just him want to a... be there. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The bane of of uh, of male existence, <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like, no, I don't want you to fix the problem or come up with solutions. I just want you to be there. Just hold me. But Anno's <laughs> just nah. Problem fixed. Problem fixed. Problem fixed. Problem fixed. So I find it so hilarious that that part of the equation is just taken out. <laughs> um. But yeah, I uh, like so that was pretty much my week. Uh, and then I was just recording videos, editing them for the channel, and putting them up on the channel and whatnot. But yeah, right. that was pretty much my week. Um, oh, uh, also practicing in Dragon Ball Fighters as I am, trying to grind out and get better at the game. I have, this entire week, I have just been getting my face stomped. Every person I fight has just been kicking the crap out of me. Like, how dare they? Well, it's not so much how dare they. It's just like, God damn it. Like, hmm. why can I not get myself into a into the mental position of being able to do the same thing that these people are doing? Because it's not like, and, and I'm not trying to take anything from them. They're all good players. And I'm more than happy to lose to a good skilled player. But I'm looking at the things that they're doing and I'm like, it always just see it. And maybe it's just a fighting sense that they get as they're playing. Like, there are obviously setups to where they'll have an assist throw out an attack and then they'll rush in or it'll cover their approach or something like that. And that's fine. But that all depends on the characters you're playing, which would mean that I might have to completely change my team to get the same kind of effect. And I don't want to do that. But if, if it was just that, it wouldn't be a problem. Because then I'll come across another really skilled player who has a team that doesn't have that, and they do basically the same thing, but with the tools that their team has. And it always feels like 
they pick the exact right moment to do their thing that allows them to do their damage and win the match. And it's like, is it just a fighting sense that I haven't quite gotten or grasped? Or is this just another plateau I've hidden that I've uh, hidden? Is this just another (laughs) plateau (laughs) that I have hit that I'm just going to have to slog and grind through until I get to the next step up? And maybe that's just what it is. I still have to sit down and really practice like two touch combos and things like that. And I do have to, uh, and I will fully admit, I still don't fully understand the all of the, the I don't understand the ins and outs of each of my characters 100%. And I probably still don't understand how to best use them. Um, in order to approach my opponent, in order to put my opponent into the situations I want them to be in so that I can actually win the fight. So I'm still working on that. Um, I don't know. Sometimes it seems like a mathematically perfect formula, and then other times it's you don't even know what's happening, right? There's so Hmm. much going on on the screen, you have no idea what's even going on. (laughs) Right. So, so still working on that. But yeah, that was basically my week. I'm going to assume also that you've hit in the plateau. Yeah, I, I've <laughs> probably hit the next plateau. So just more and more grinding until I can have the breakthrough that I need. Indeed. So my week is going to segue into my uh, first impression of uh, the game I've been playing all week. I haven't really been playing Destiny. I did a little bit, but it's the solstice, the solstice of heroes, the summertime event. And that's just grind, grind, grind. And I'm not really in the mood for that this week. Like I've got my uh, second stage solstice armor, but then that, just turned into, you know, kill 600 of these, do 500 of this, sacrifice a small Hungarian child, and I just, I'm, I'm not into that this week, like I said, but... Uh, Quick interruption. Uh, yeah. Well, no, finish your week. Let me jot this down, because I actually want to talk about that a little bit, too, because I came across a similar problem. And this seems to be a continuous problem when it comes to video games that involve a grind of any time, of any kind. But we'll come back to it after you're done with your week. That's pretty much it. You know, other than I, I finally worked a full week. So next week I'll have a regular paycheck, but that's going to have to go to my car payment. You know, first world problems, all that good shit. Mm-hmm. And, okay. Uh, yeah. So go ahead with no, the, no, go go ahead. the Oh, okay. So this is also something that happened during my week because I play, I play and try out quite a lot of mobile games. Uh, I play only like two actual mobile games, like actually play them and try to get uh, and try to build teams and stuff. And I like team builders. I like games that give me multiple characters in a team that I can level up and get strong and go up against the PVE content. I don't really do PVP because PVP is mostly uh, wallet warrior territory. 
Like <laughs> you, you pay to get the strongest characters, and you pay to make them at, to get them into like one hundred percent tip top shape so that they can go into PvP and win. Um, you don't have to do that, but you're not going to be you're you're not going to be able to challenge. I'd say. 30% of the community if you don't because they've got uh, a good example is uh, one of the uh, mobile games I've actually sat down and started learning how to play and have been playing is uh, uh, Seven Deadly Sins uh, hmm. and so in Seven Deadly Sins and uh, they get big boost to their ultimate skill which does a shit ton of damage and it goes from one all the way up to six but for the best characters in the game, who you can only get from their gotcha system, you're spending money if you plan to get the duplicate characters you need in order to level them up to six. There, because the because even if you try, there's a shop where you can buy those medals, but you actually have to get duplicates of the high star characters to use as currency to purchase a specific high star character so that you can use it for their uh, ultimate and beef it up. So when I say wallet warrior, I mean it. You're, you're spending money <laughs> if you're going to do that. Like I saved like it's 30 diamonds in order to summon for like 10 or 11 characters. And I saved up 660 diamonds, just saved up from the moment I started playing the game all the way up to the character I wanted that just recently came out. And I spent all 660 gems. And remember, that's 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 uh, that's 10 characters per 30 gems. So that's like. What is it? 10, 20. 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90. I, I want to say about 200, maybe 250 characters. Something, something around there. Um, I, I'm not going to do the exact math, but somewhere in the ballpark, right? I got one copy of the character I actually wanted. And when they do these uh, gotchas for these new SSR characters, which is super secret rare, um, there's two versions of them. And usually one version is just better than the other version. So I got one copy of the good version, and then I got two copies of the not-so-good version. Everything else was just garbage, basically. Out of 150 or more possible chances. Hmm. Yeah. So, <laughs> now... Now, what brought this on is because you were talking about how the Destiny instituted basically another grind mechanic, and you just didn't feel like doing the grind. I feel like when it comes to grind mechanics, because that also exists in mobile games, and the example is uh, I also play another mobile game called Dragon Ball Dokkan, uh, Dokkan Battle. I believe it's is Dokkan Battle. Um and they just instituted a new mechanic where uh, there is a certain stat that you get. There, it's what called are link skills, and it's two characters have the same skill. It gives them it, it activates that skill for them. So if there's a skill that gives them fifteen percent increased damage, and they both have it, 
then they get 15% increase. They, both those characters get increased, 15% uh, increased damage. Well, they just recently instituted it where those link skills can be buffed. You can level them up and they'll give you more benefits. And I'm just like, I don't need another grind. I need more stuff to do. Because mm -hmm. in Dokken Battle, a lot of the community has been falling off because they feel like there's not enough for them to do. And this is also something that happens in MMOs. This is also something that happens in RPGs. And I feel like every time a developer hears a player go, I don't have anything to do. I have a max level character. I have all their gear maxed. I have all their stats maxed. I have their ultimates maxed. I have, like, even in an MMO, I have a max level character. I have the max level gear. I have all the transmogs I want. I don't have anything else to do. I've done all the content. I have nothing else to do. So what do the devs do? They go, well, here's another grind. Here, uh, So we're going to institute, um, we're going to turn your legendaries into primal legendaries so now you have to grind out this specific uh resource so that you can upgrade your primal legendary and your primal legendary can be upgraded 20 times and they're like there you go something for you to do <laughs> and I'm like, no, motherfuckers. When I say I have nothing else to do in your game, I am not asking for another fucking chore. That's like, <laughs> dude, that's the same shit your parents do when you're young. And you've cleaned up your room. You've cleaned the bathroom. There's nothing to do. And they look at you and go, you look like you don't have anything to do. And I'm like, well, I, you, they go, you look like you don't have anything to do. Go mow the lawn. Sure. You look like you don't have anything to do. Go wash the car. You look like you don't have anything to do. Sweep the porch. Like, no, motherfucker. If I don't have anything to do, I don't want a chore. I want something that's actually interesting and engaging for me to do. Because what do you do when you mow the lawn? You go into autopilot. What do you do when you wash the car? You go into autopilot. What do you do when you sweep the fucking porch? You go into autopilot. Autopilot is not where you want your players to be in your game. Don't come up with more chores for them to do. You need to add more content. This is why I like this is why I like RPG games so much, because what RPG games did is they went, you'll go through the story, you'll level up your characters, you'll most likely grind them to max level before you even finish the story, so the story will be easier. So what we're going to do is we're going to dot the world with secret bosses that are hmm. ridiculously tough. So you can beef your characters up as much as you want, and then you can just go fight those guys. Um, and I think that's an interesting way of doing it. And you know what? That kind of thing doesn't take many insource. It doesn't make it doesn't take many resources to just institute a tough boss to fight. Because at the end of the day, that's what you're asking for. You're asking for something tougher to fight. Really, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't want to have to go and mine fifty thousand iron copper or with special swirls and sparkles in it just so I can upgrade this piece of gear to then do nothing. Like, and it is a common thing that d developers do. 
player base goes, hey, we've beaten your content. We don't have anything else to do. Devs go, go mine something. Go farm something. Go, uh, uh, go kill something. Go fetch something for this PC. It's like, dude, I don't, I, I've been an errand boy from start to finish of your storyline. I am literally in your storyline toted as the most saintly, powerful, greatest character since ever. Why the fuck would I go out and kill a bunch of goats to bring back to a farmer? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's MMO for you. (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh... I don't know. And once again, maybe I'm asking for too much, but the one thing I'm not asking for is more chores. If your (laughs) player base tells you we don't have anything to do, don't go... And and mobile games are really bad for it. If your player base is telling you we don't have anything to do, don't don't turn around and go, okay, now you can level your character. Uh, max level used to be level 80. Now you can level them up to 90. Max level used to be 90. Now you can level them up to 150. And, and, and now you have to go mine this and farm this and pick up this and kill this so you can craft the armor at that level. It's like, I, no, that, that's your been, entire game. That- that's been destiny for like the last three years. <laughs> yeah, right? And, and and that's all it is. It's the same thing with a different skin. All they did is took the grind they already have and put a transmog on it. Like, they just made it look like something else. But it's the same fucking grind. Why would I want to do that? And, so and... when people fall off... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I'm ranting at this point. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's fine, <laughs> And for for a while, you know that's fine. You know I've done solstice like they have these holiday events. There's solstice of heroes. The they have the the Halloween event and the Christmas event, and it's been like that every year. It just you know for some reason this week I didn't want to deal with it. You know, like I said, I got my solstice armor from you know stage one to stage two. But now with stage two, that's five pieces of armor times each one's got like three three checklists each. So that's 15 more fucking grinds. And it's just like, why? And and like the solstice packages, they're they're bullshit. You know, you 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 do like strikes, you do crucible, you do public events, and you get key fragments and you need 15 key fragments to open one package. So, you know, you, mm. you like a, say you, you make a public event heroic, that'll give you 10 to 15 key fragments. So, you know, that's 10 minutes to get enough fragments to open one thing, one package. And it's a fucking blue helmet when all your shit's purple. It's stupid. <laughs> yeah, like like that. It's stupid. Yeah, it's it's really dumb. And I'm not downplaying how difficult it is to come up with content, but you have a community of people who are telling you what they want. So why are you giving us reskin chores? 
<laughs> you have a community of people asking you for what they want and they're willing to pay for what they want and they're willing to wait for it so that you can do what they want and implement it into your game well. Like, literally. That's literally the situation. And devs are just like, man, fuck it. And, it. and I know it's not always just the devs and we talk about it to death, but it's also the publishers because the publishers don't understand what the fuck is going on. All they care about is the numbers. They don't seem to understand that if you give people what they're asking for and, and I don't mean people who are just throwing out random suggestions like not, fucking not chicken the, hats not, and stuff. Not the neck beard complainers about everything. Yeah. Right, because you every every game has a prominent uh, has a prominent group of players who've been playing the game since forever and are giving actual constructive criticism. Those are the people you listen to as a right. developer, right? And I don't know why it's so hard for publishers to understand that if you give the people what they want, they'll pay for it. They that's all the people really want. They want what they paid for. That's all they want. They just want what they paid for. Hmm. So give them what they paid for. Indeed. And uh, so I'm glad I'm glad they pushed Beyond Light back to November because I still haven't saved up the 60 bucks for it yet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, that brings up another thing. Uh, I was talking in the last podcast about them releasing Master Roshi for Dragon Ball Fighters and how he's coming out in September. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the trailer that they showed for us that the uh, uh, mouth words not coming out properly. <laughs> the trailer that they showed us um, actually showed his level one. And his level three is actually going to be him buffing up with the muscles and doing his Kamehameha, the, the, big, the big fuck-off huge Kamehameha. They, uh, <laughs> see, that's the thing, though. They, they came out with um, a, a, a scan for it like a, in, in the magazine. And I, I don't know if it's Shonen Jump magazine or if it's the Bandai magazine, but they came out with a scan for it in the magazine. And they showed the Kamehameha. Now, if you look at UI Goku's level 3 Kamehameha, that's a fuck-off Kamehameha. That thing is huge. It takes up like three-quarters of the screen. Master Roshi's isn't even that big. It's not even as big as UI Goku's. I'd have been okay if it was at least as big as UI Goku's, because Master Roshi is supposed to be like the Kamehameha master. Like, when he buffs up and does his maximum Kamehameha, it, it, you know, I expect big fuck-off Kamehameha. I, like, I honestly expected them to, for him to do it, and the only thing you can see on the screen once he shoots it out is him. Everything else is just the Kamehameha. The screen is gone, except for Master Roshi. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they didn't, they didn't do that. It, it's, it, honestly, I think it's about the size as Super Saiyan, uh, Super Saiyan Goku's Kamehameha when he goes level 3, uh, Super Saiyan 3, and does his Kamehameha. It's about... Actually, I don't even think it's as big as that. Maybe it's as big as Cell's Kamehameha. I think it's as big as uh, Cell's Kamehameha. Mm. Um, but, uh... And they also pointed out that he is not going to have a Super Dash, one of the core mechanics in the game. They're giving him another move to replace it. Now... Mm. This is cause for concern 
because they, they there's another character that they replaced a system mechanic with what they thought would be a good substitute uh, special move, Videl, because they took away her reflect, which is a system mechanic that every other character has and is an important mechanic and replaced it with her dodge which turned out to be a horrible misstep for that character so we're gonna have to wait and see how this plays out where master roshi cannot super dash but has an ability that i guess acts like a super dash or replaces that super dash um also if the if the leaked because this character was leaked if what i read of the leak is correct and i do not know but this is how it reads to me it actually seems to state that master roshi's level one because it's the evil containment ray and what the evil containment ray does is i explained it before it takes a it takes a person and puts them in, and seals them into an item, right? So when Master Roshi does his level one, uh, uh, Mafuba, Mafuba, the evil containment ray, when he does his level one Mafuba, it actually shows him taking the opponent's character and putting that character in a like little like sake bottle, right? Well, the leaked notes on that states that it forces a uh it basically kicks that character out and forces another character in mm -hmm. if now you can do that but you have to be able to grab a person to do that right there you have to dragon rush a person this would be a level one basically a level one grab so I don't know how they're going to do this. This this feels, or at least to me, this sounds like it's going to be really ridiculously strong or it's going to be completely and utterly useless because why would I spend a bar of meter on a grab move instead of just grabbing my opponent and then kicking them out and bringing in the other character? Hmm. So... Now, the way it read is that it seals that character away. So this is my, so my question is, does that mean that that character is just gone? Does that mean that character is gone for a certain amount of time, like longer than they would normally be gone if you dragon rushed and kicked them out? Does that mean that character can't come back until, uh, until Master Roshi dies? Like, what does that mean? Because two of those options are ridiculously broken. Because losing <laughs> a character in a team fight game like this is rough. <laughs> so two of those options may turn out to be ridiculously broken. And if and the other option just makes it okay to completely useless, why would I use that? <laughs> so... So we'll right. have to wait and see. Um, we'll have to wait and see how that turns out. Yo, dog, I, I heard you needed something to do. Oh, uh, let's take a quick break. Uh, wife is calling, and she's coming back from Wilmington, so uh, we will return in a few moments. Okay, see you guys in a few moments. 
All right. So she's about 10 minutes away. So that should be more than enough time to give my first impression of Genesis Alpha 1. <laughs> I've been playing all week. It's uh, so the top down is it's a roguelike first person shooter with, I, I guess you would say, base management because you, you have to manage your ship and the resources and make sure you have enough <clears throat> breathing atmosphere for your crew and make sure the ship has enough power for all the modules and all that good stuff. <clears throat> it's a difficult as fuck game to play. Mm -hmm. I think uh, five times now I've had to restart because uh, uh, so it's, it's difficult in that your goal is to initiate Genesis on a new planet. So you have to search the, the galaxy for, you know, a planet to initiate Genesis on. And you can come mm. across, uh, you know, trade ships where you can trade, <clears throat> like, trade cable for framework so you can build more stuff for your ship. You can, uh, and the main way you get resources is to use uh, your tractor beam to pick up space debris, or you build a hangar that comes with a harvester. And either you assign crew to the hangar and then they'll go down and harvest. It takes like a minute or you can go with them. And, and this is what I do in, uh, when, in the case of there being a landing site or a, like a discovery site where you can find mm. new technology or a meta thing or whatever. I don't know what it what it is um, with the with the crew that's assigned to the hangar, but I need a skin for them that comes with a red shirt. <laughs> I, I swear to God, these fuckers die so quickly, and so like you land. Um, okay. So you, you land and, you know, they'll start going out to harvest resources while I'm going to find, you know, this discovery site. Mm -hmm. Oh, she's home. All right. So uh, another quick break and uh, I'll come back and, and talk about this. Okay. So we'll be right back, folks. Ah, there you are. All right. Sorry about that, folks. Um, about, what, 20 minutes and five big-ass bags later, I'm back. Gotcha. So where was I? Oh, yeah, red shirts. So, the, the, so when you land the harvester on the planet, it has a, has a giant force field dome over it to protect you from the alien atmosphere. So you can only travel so far out to harvest for resources or find the discovery sites. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the uh, very useful tools you start out with is two turrets. It's basically like a, a heavy machine gun on a tripod. And uh, because in the, because it was done in the tutorial, anytime I, you know, start my 
quest out, I'll put one of the turrets in the tractor beam room because that uh, the tractor beam, the hangar, and even the deposits and refinery or in the deposits are uh, mm-hmm. places where aliens will get onto the ship. So I put one turret in the tractor beam room. So if anything comes up with the material I'm beaming up, if, uh, and, uh, and that's another thing, the <laughs> people. Well, quick interruption. That brings up a question. Mm-hmm. Are are you mining the aliens with the ore, or are they just jumping into like the tractor beam to hitch a ride into the ship? They're stowaways. Okay. Well, in the in the tractor beam, they're stowaways. With the harvester, they're uh, well, they're also stowaways. Because like you can, and I I have the hazard level set to twenty. The max is a hundred, and even at hazard level twenty, there's so many fucking aliens. And there's there's spider looking spider crab looking ones. There's worms. There's big green abomination looking fuckers. This, this match I'm playing now, uh, there's big fucking thing looking motherfuckers. And now there's fire people. I just had to shoot two of them with my shotgun in the hangar because they stowed away. Mm-hmm. <sighs> just the onslaught never seems to end. And also at like random times, some, like you, you played StarCraft, right? You know how uh, for the Zerg they have the creep, the oh the the biomass. Yeah, the the yeah, that's the only place you can build Zerg stuff on. Yeah, you gotta spread it. Yeah, there's there's things like that in the game too. Uh, the last round I played, there were there were ones that could teleport you anywhere around the ship. As uh, I went on to the wiki, couldn't find anything, went on to the Discord for the publisher. And I was like, hey, how the hell do I get rid of these things? And then I just went back. And I was like, okay, I've tried shooting them. Let me try shooting it over here. And it got rid of it. Hmm. And then there's, uh, there's green little creep circles. There's like alien big throbbing alien vine tentacle things that you have that uh, <laughs> I, I know what you're thinking and, and you're right. Cause that's where the, uh, the green monster aliens, they come out of that shit. Ah, so this is where the hentai begins. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you don't get long enough to try to shoot tentacles anywhere. So I ain't got to worry about that. My butthole's safe. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day, that's what it's all about: keeping our butthole safe. <laughs> My chocolate starfish ain't stretched. And if it and and here's an here's the interesting here's one of the interesting mechanics of the game. You, you <laughs> Sorry, I got to interrupt real quick. I want that to be a campaign slogan and one of the big things. Uh, <laughs> I want a political candidate to come out and be like, because at the end of the day. Backing me is keeping your butthole safe. <laughs> <laughs> on, let <laughs> At the end <sighs> of the day. 
you said backing me means keeping your butthole safe. Yeah. <laughs> that was campaign slogan of the year. Well, for 2020, it's, it's about right. And to be fair, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. There we go. Yeah, so over the rounds I've played of this game so far, I get maybe... Well, last round it was the farthest mm-hmm. I've got. So going going back to what I was uh, going to talk about before the uh, before Christy got home, mm-hmm. there are achievements that you can unlock for dying certain ways. Like one of my earlier rounds, I guess uh, a meteor or an asteroid hit my ship while I was in the corridor. It hit the corridor I was in. Mm-hmm. And I got launched out into space and died. And then achievement unlocked. Lost in space. Die in space. <laughs> okay. Cool. All right. So, so is dying over. an expected part of the game? Oh, yeah. Lady Dakes. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. It, it's that, Dark Souls. Okay. <laughs> that, that's, where, that's where the roguelike... Well, it, that, it's, it's permadeath for... Okay, so your ship starts out with five clones. Hmm. One of the clones is promoted to captain. That's you. So say for this one happened to, as an example, me and the clone assigned to the hangar were on the planet surface. You know, I was looking for a discovery site. He was mining minerals and a bunch of the arachnid aliens showed up, Mm. killed me in a, in a matter of seconds. So, when that clone dies, you get transferred to the next one, which in this case was the other clone with me on the planet. So, of course, I hightail it back into the harvester, hit return to mothership, and just start blasting the aliens that are trying to climb on board with me. Okay, well, then that brings up another question. Does So, is it your consciousness being transferred, or are you just now the other clone? You're and you all have the, other, the same information. You're just now the other clone. Like okay. you, it's a it's a battlefield promotion. Basically, you gotcha. you, you play the captain of the ship. So Oh, it's Imperial Guard. Gotcha. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you <laughs> as captain die, then the mantle of captaincy is given to the next clone. And then to answer your second question, you can make more clones. Yes. Mm. You can even uh, get genetic material for other alien life forms and make clones of them. That's another achievement is uh, initiating Genesis with a crew comprised of every race. Oh, and here's another achievement that just came up on my screen. Clone your first non-human life form, which I haven't done yet, but I've had the, the material uh, the material research to do it. I just haven't done it yet. I'm a, I'm a speciesist that way. I, I like my sexy, bold uh, female clones. Well, what benefits does splicing in alien DNA actually give you? Well, it, it's... Okay, so there's alien abilities that you can find as well. Those you can you can splice in, like there's a healing one. There's a ability to recognize easier 
easier ability to recognize alien eggs and life forms. Those are the only two alien abilities I've found so far. Uh, the races, there's mantis, arachnid. Now there's the, the fire people. Uh, I don't think I've gotten any information on the the gravelly uh, thing-looking ones yet. But, well, I just, first the first time I've seen them was this round I'm playing now. Mm. And uh, I want to say there's maybe five or six races that you can uh, get genetic information for and make clones of them. It's not necessarily splicing DNA into the human clone genome. I'm, I'm not sure if you can do that on this. It probably can. I just don't have, I haven't researched the, uh, you know, enough to do that, but yeah. So, oh, in the last round, I thought I had, uh, made my way safe out of it because uh, I was traveling down to the quadrant that had the hyperdrive upgrade and I went from low danger to danger so I get there and automatically space pirates have boarded my ship and immediately lost four clones <laughs> mm. so it, it's, it's kind of unforgiving but that was the longest I'd survived. <laughs> gotcha. So uh, initial thoughts. It's a, it's a fun game. It's frustrating. It's a time consuming game. So if you, if you want to play it, do it on a, on a weekend or like a Friday night that way, you know, cause you can easily spend five, six hours playing this game. Yeah, and probably and probably die just as many times. But uh, yeah, first impressions, I like it. I'm going to keep playing it, and uh, might give future updates on new things that I that I've found while playing it. Oh, and also as a uh, as an aside, a new season of Lucifer is out. So uh, now, is it a now? I know this is on Netflix. Is it a new season for Netflix, or is it the newest season in the actual television series? It's uh, new episodes. Hmm. Okay, because I, I saw that, but it looked like it wasn't like it looked like it was new episodes for Netflix. Because I watched Lucifer on its original channel, yeah. and watched all the way up to its end, and it ended. Uh, with Lucifer basically, so I don't spoil anything, but it ended with Lucifer basically leaving the detective, right? Yeah. So is it after that? Yes. Okay. Then I'll have to sit down and I'll have to watch. And we will have to review, because I fucking love Lucifer. <laughs> it's a good show. And there's lots of It is care. a good show. But, uh... Like so it. That's, uh, that's nope. my first impressions... For Genesis Alpha 1. Um, so let's just go ahead and jump right into Parasite. Okay. I'll let to, you I take had, it away. I had to re-watch uh, Episode 7 because I watched it last night whilst partaking. So I had to get, mm. the, uh, get the highlights again. So Episode 6 ends with 
us finding out Shinichi's mom has been taken over by the parasite that was in the car wreck. Mm-hmm. And oh wait, no, that was five. And then she stabs Shinichi through the heart and Miggy basically saves him by moving to his heart and then just regenerating everything from there. And, uh, okay. Um, Take wrong, your time. Yeah. Wrong episode. So the last episode <laughs> with Shinichi finding another parasite and he, you know, he does the marathon sprint jumps 10 feet up in the air to get onto the seawall and dashes out to find this guy. He thinks it's the parasite that took over his mom. Mm -hmm. So I don't know why I'm so fucking short of breath. This is ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) So new episode begins with Shinichi jumping, like literally leaping probably 20 feet into the air to land in front of this person facing him because the person sitting on the steps looking out at the beach and we find out that it's another it's a it's a guy and Shinichi's like well damn you're, you're not the one I was looking for but you're you still have a parasite so come to find out this dude the parasite took over this dude's lower jaw and down to the base of his neck well, it seems to be his whole mouth and then the base of his neck. Because there are times when it'll yeah. talk and he doesn't have a mouth, so he's like he has to act, yeah. he has to tell it to let him talk. Yeah. So Shinichi finds another person like him who had been infected, but the parasite wasn't able to reach his brain because uh, dude was sitting on the like on a cliff, and the parasite hatched from its egg, came over tried to fuse with him and he fell into the water. So the parasite had to, you know, stop it, stop the fusing at his mouth and neck to basically save the guy's life. And, you know, of course, parasite's life as well. So there, so that happens and they decide to team up to try and locate the parasite that took over his mom. And then him and then Shinichi and the girl he met on the boat have have more interaction in which I, I've, I was noticing. So he has he's interested in Murano and it seems like Murano's interested in him, but she's kind of stringing it along or they're both just kind of stringing it along. Well, no, they're, they, I, I want to say I want to say they're childhood friends, but I don't know if we ever get that mentioned or shown there's i don't think there's any flashback for it but they've known each other for a while it seems like shinichi has not thought of murano in that way until murano starts taking a more active interest in him and it's actually pretty obvious that murano has had a thing for him for a little while because the other girls talk about how uh they kind of hands off with shinichi because of that because him and Murano are close. Um, I don't think it's that they're stringing each other along, and now that Shinichi is going through his changes because of Miki merging with him more, um, I'm not even sure if he has an active interest in her. He is concerned about how she views him, 
but I don't know if he's actually attracted to her anymore. Right. And that's, uh, I think that's brought up again in episode eight where, where uh, that's brought up in episode eight, but we'll get to that. Yeah. So Shinichi's talking with the girl he met on the boat and she's already like smitten with him. Like yep, I, I think drill kinda, hard. <laughs> <laughs> like I think she might be trying to pick out wedding decorations in her head every time they talk or something. Yeah. But uh, so they're having an, an interaction, and Uda, who is the other guy who's only partially merged with the parasite, calls him, and he's located the parasite that took over his mom. So. And then there's uh, there's also we find out uh, that since the merge, <laughs> Miggy has to, and this is where we get the Achilles heel. Miggy has to go to sleep for four hours, just dead asleep, not like before, where Miggy's asleep but can still sense, you know, other parasites. You know, Miggy's knocked the fuck out for four hours, so yeah. we get we get Achilles heel going which gets brought up in these ne- in these two episodes uh, a couple times so I think it's back to uh, the cliff where Uda and his parasite met and they're they're facing off uh, he's facing off with Shinichi's mom and Shinichi's on his way to assist, and that's when Miggy's like, I have to go to sleep, and then turns one of the parasite blades. Mm-hmm. And so and and the way Shinichi's mom makes her blades come out, I gotta say is kind of creepy. It's not like the spiral cut like like the others. Mm-hmm. It's like a almost like a fence. There's like five vertical slits that, you know, rip her face open. Yeah. And so there, uh, and, and, and the way, the way it it happens is kind of funny. So she's attacking Uda and Uda's parasite, of course, is coming out of his chin and he's got two little blades and then grows out another part from his chin. That's a third blade. And, you know, they're, and she's attacking him. And Uda's parasite makes the remark that, you know, you, you keep attacking in the same spot. You know, you're, you're predictable. And he's also getting upset because Uda's out of shape, and that's kind of impugning his ability to fight. Well, after he makes that remark, uh, Shinichi's mom gets a blade one of the blades passed his defense and stabs Uda in the heart. And at this point, that's when Shinichi shows up and Uda falls off the cliff onto a outcropping, like five feet below. Mm-hmm. So Shinichi shows up and the mom parasite says, a, I guess an expository out loud thought that, the signals from Shinichi's parasite are weak. So, and she's like, well, you know, I'll just be able to kill him anyway. So she starts launching blades at him and he's dodging them. 
dodging him and parrying with his blade hand, and this surprises her. It's like he shouldn't be able to he shouldn't be able to do that. He's just a human. And of course, Shinichi's still pissed because this parasite killed his mom, and he wants to kill her. So he's dodging, jumping, takes uh, hacks the blades off of two of the tentacles, and uh, you know he's getting confident, almost cocky. And then that's when she gets one of the blades and scrapes it across the top of his head. Well, no, hold on. Yep. That's okay. So. He doesn't get confident. He doesn't get cocky. He is just pissed. Yeah. The problem is when he goes in for the finishing, uh, he, he dodges the blades, cuts off two, like you said, and then he actually cuts the parasite across the stomach. So the parasite yeah. falls down. And he ha- he's about to kill the parasite, but the parasite brings up his mom's hand to defend itself, and it's the yeah. arm where his mom was burned. And it makes him hesitate. And then the parasite attacks him and hits him in the uh, forehead in that moment of hesitation. And the moment I saw the arm come up, I was like, he's going to hesitate, isn't he? And he did. (laughs) (laughs) So they fight. They fight. There's like one or two more moves. And then all of a sudden, the parasite's head is lopped off. Which surprises everybody, including the parasite. We'll come to find out, and we find out because Uda's parasite says this after he climbs back up onto the ledge, that because he noticed where the parasite was aiming for, he shifted Uda's heart and all his vital organs to the side. So when Shinichi's mom's parasite tried to stab him in the heart, you just just hit, I guess, you know, the body cavity or whatever. Yeah. And then Uda was like, you know, I, I just I just felt like it shouldn't have to be you that killed, you know, your mom's parasite. It's like, well, yeah. good on you. And then uh, that's when Shinichi leaves the island. And of course, the, the girl from the motel, you know, probably has the bridal registry all set up and everything is like, will I ever see you again? And he was like, maybe. Yeah, like she's crushing real hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, and in episode eight, we find out it's a three-way at at Giggity, a three-way thing. So that's the end of episode seven. Episode eight starts up with Murano seeing Shinichi and uh, and help me here with uh, filling in the points until we get to the the third angle of the thing. So go ahead. Well, no, that was pretty much everything. Unfortunately, these episodes were fairly empty. Um, episode eight was the parasite that was posing as a teacher. Um, sending uh, basically another agent. We see that she's very far along in her pregnancy, maybe like she looks like she's about five or six months along. So I'm wondering about their whole time frame because she is bulging. Um, and 
she sends one of her own agents, another parasite that seems to be a, he seems to be a fairly strong parasite. It's kind of hard to tell how powerful a parasite is or why they become as powerful as they do. Um, but she sends him to observe uh, Shinichi and he asks why she doesn't just kill him. And she specifically tells the, the parasite, do not harm him or attack him. Because she's trying to see, because she thinks that he might be a glimpse into the potential of the parasites themselves. Right. Um, so, and really, that's really what it is. And Shinichi has some interactions with this parasite, and the parasite tells him that, you know, he hasn't even killed anybody in like three months, and they're trying to. Uh, and he's been able to subsist off of normal food, and so that they're trying to coexist with humans, and if that's the case, then that's all right. And Shinichi's like, but how can I trust him? And I'm like, you can't, because he's a lion. Fuck. There's no <laughs> way. And then we see we, at the end of that... Because uh, when we meet yeah, when we meet him, he's eating somebody. Yeah, he's eating somebody. And then at the end of that episode they show him lure a girl in, into a uh, deserted place and he eats her. And it's like, nah, he's lying. Fuck, they don't care. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> and then there's a moment where Kana shows back up and she senses mm -hmm. the other parasite that is observing Shinichi. And she, cause she, and she sensed him thinking it was Shinichi and he notices that. And he basically grabs her and is going to interrogate her, and Shinichi intervenes. And right. because he doesn't want to fight Shinichi yet, because, well, he's under orders currently, he lets it go and walks away. Kan we find out that the whole reason that Kana is so head over heels for Shinichi, or at least so obsessed with him, is because she thinks that her ability to sense the parasites is leading her to her soulmate. So whenever mm -hmm. she senses Shinichi, she thinks what she she thinks what's happening is some supernatural sense she has that tells her Shinichi is her soulmate. So no she hasn't noticed any changes in Shinichi. Murano has. There's a mm -hmm. there's a whole scene where he notices that a dog has been hit in the middle of the road and he goes and he picks the dog up out of the road. And Murano sits down with him and he's telling her, you know, the dog is going to die. And this is a this is another thing where I'm like, it's really easy to pick out the parasites because Shinichi starts showing lack of expression. He's no mm -hmm. longer as expressive as he was. He barely shows any expressions whatsoever. His emotions are still there because he talks about it like when he went to see his dad and he was like, there are so many emotions welling up in him, but he didn't cry. So his emotions mm -hmm. are still there, but he is he is slowly starting to have any form of actual expressions. Um, and Murano, and so the, the puppy dies in his arms and he walks over to a trash can and throws the dog into the trash can. And Murano gets upset <laughs> and he can't understand why she's upset. And he basically tells her that uh, the puppy, now that it is dead, it is just meat that is shaped like a puppy. And she's like, yeah, you're not Shinichi. And she runs off and she's mad at him. And she starts to avoid him. And he asks Migi, Migi, did I say something wrong? And he's like, no, I don't think you said anything wrong. But you said something that sounds more like something I would say than something you would say. And he's like, oh, right. that's what it was. 
Um, and so he takes the dog out of the trash can and buries the dog next to the tree. And he's like, if I had just done this in the first place, then Murano wouldn't have been mad at me. Um, right. And he, so, and it, it's still very much a logical thought process because he's still thinking to himself, well, the dog will decompose and become nutrients for the tree. And the reaction isn't so much that, like, he obviously doesn't like Murano being mad at him, right? So his emotions uh-huh. are still there, but he's becoming less able to express them. Right. Um, and then there's a point where when we first see Kana and the guy that she was with that beat Shinichi up is trying to talk to her and she's basically telling him to leave her alone. And he's like, are you into the Shinichi guy? And it's, it's, a, it's like, I guess they were dating at one point or he is interested in her. Um, mm. But now she is stuck on Shinichi. And she mm-hmm. tells him, you know, whatever's going on between her and Shinichi is none of his business. And she walks off. So he, of course, decides to attack Shinichi again. So he's waiting for Shinichi outside of the front gate of the school. And when he see, this is what it, it, this is why the pacing of the anime is kind of weird. Not mm. only with the pregnancy, because it seems like six months has six or seven months have gone by because of how pregnant she is now. But it also is the fact that and maybe I'm just missing missing the actual time frame maybe i didn't notice the time that went by so it might be my fault but it seems like that much time should not have gone by but in any case neither here nor there um when he see he sees shinichi and goes is that the same guy that's not shinichi and i'm like why would he think anything of how shinichi has changed he didn't know shinichi he beat shinichi up that's about it. But he didn't know Shinichi. Kana didn't know, didn't notice any change in Shinichi. Didn't notice a single change in him. She didn't even mention it. She didn't think it. Murano, it makes sense because Murano knows Shinichi. She's been around him for all through high school as far as we know. As far as we know, they're childhood friends. She knows him. They've been friends for a long time. So when, right. so it's obvious that she's going to notice these kinds of changes in him. But there is no reason for the guy to. But he invites Shinichi out to the spot where they had kidnapped Murano. The guy, of course, gets he tries to tell the guy, hey, there's nothing going on between me and Kana. Are we done here? You got your answer. The guy gets mad about it, tries to attack him. Of course, Shinichi now being integrated more with Migi is faster, stronger, uh, more precise, and just basically just toss like basically dodges all the guys' attacks, you know, knocks him over, pushes him down, but doesn't actually hurt him. Um and uh and then things and his dad unfortunately after the loss of his mom is just going into a downward spiral of finding refuge in the bottom of an alcohol glass and is basically drinking himself to death he's just every time we see him he's just sitting at the table or sitting in the living room in the dark he hasn't shaved he's just drinking alcohol uh shinichi doesn't know how to deal with the situation but because of that, he's not apprehensive since he's becoming more logical like Miggy. Um, so he's just kind of been leaving his dad alone. And there's a point where he suggests to his dad, hey, uh, 
maybe we should get a housekeeper. And his dad's like a housekeeper. He's like, yeah, for when, you know, the person who normally prepares food and stuff like that isn't around anymore, you know. And his dad is like, when did you get so strong, Shinichi? Or are you just made of steel that's empty inside? And Shinichi stops and kind of looks back at him. And he goes, he doesn't actually look at Shinichi, I don't think, this entire time. The entire time he's talking. And he's like, I'm sorry. And he just goes back to drinking and Shinichi just leaves. And that's kind of the way the episode ends. So. Right. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about right. <laughs> no. But, uh, hey. go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Go ahead with what you were going to say. I'm not even sure what I was going to say, so go ahead. Oh. Um, I don't know. It, it feels like it's, it really feels so odd that his dad is going into this downward spiral because when Shinichi first shows up and he tries to talk to his dad, his dad is adamant that it was just an accident. They talked him into believing that it wasn't some monster and he seemed okay. He seemed all like he was mourning and it was obvious he was in pain, but it seemed like he had accepted it and he was going to be okay. Then the next moment we see him, he's just drinking himself to death. Just meh. And I was like, if that was going to be the case, you'd think we'd have seen some sign of that going to happen. And I, I can answer that for you. Mm-hmm. So when I when I was in school to be a paramedic, you know, there's there's a there's a there's like a a I guess like a one-shot psychology lesson about the the I guess the grieving process. Yeah, it's, it's called DABDA, and that the acronym is for each of the five stages. So there's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. I think Shinichi's dad's at the depression part of the of that. Yeah, but it doesn't feel like he went through the other stages because it felt like he had accepted it and had gotten past it. I don't know. Uh, maybe well, it's just can, me then. You can always regress. Okay. In in those kind of things. And I want more information on the the two cops and the and the uh psychologist. Especially the psychologist, because you know he was he was definitely angry. He was in the angry stage at that point, and we and we totally skipped bargaining too. So I want to know what that psychologist did to his dad. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. Like, I understand the steps of grieving, but it doesn't feel like he went through the steps in the order. I like I understand he can regress, but it never felt like he went through the other steps. It just felt like he was like, "Look, I'm trying to tell you it was a monster." And they're like, "No, we saw her in the thing. She's fine. It was probably just an accident." And he's like, "Okay." And he's like, "Okay, I've accepted that it was just an accident. There was no monster. It was just the shock of the fact that I know she died, I guess, even though they literally told him, "No, she's still alive. We saw her in the ho- in the hotel." 
So, and then he seemed to accept it and be and and, and be at least able to function. Um, and then he's drinking himself into a stupor, which, like you said, they can regress, but it never felt like he went through the stages, right? Because mm-hmm. whenever I've seen anything about the stages, it's like you're in that stage and you are in that stage until you're ready to move to the next one, period. Yeah, right. you might you might go backwards, but as far as I know, you don't skip stages or jump back and forth between you know, like you don't go from denial to acceptance and then into depression. You have to go through the like the denial stage, the bargaining stage, then you have to go into uh the depression Den- stage and then it, denial right? denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Right. And it never felt like he actually went through the stages it felt like he skipped them yeah and and that so, could just be that could just be plot armor one you know that wonderful, wonderful plot. plot armor well mm-hmm. i also feel like it, i don't feel like it's plot armor it feels like they did it to keep tension in the story like to keep the drama in the story like not only did he just lose his mom he's back in school Murano is mad at him because he is changing he's realizing he's changing but now his dad is just falling apart. Right. Um, which sucks. Cause I always feel like as a parent, if you lose the other spouse, it is a horrible thing and you have a period of mourning, but you also have a child you still need to take care of. And you also, they need you to be there. So if you just fall the fuck apart, it leaves your child alone. Hmm. Big so, yeah. so, and and I guess just not everybody is strong enough to deal with the loss of their spouse. They're just not, I guess. But it's like when it, and I could understand it from someone who is in a childless relationship. You know, been married for a long time. You really love your spouse, and then you lose them, and then you go into that spiral. I got you. I understand that. But when you have a child you still need to take care of and be there for, because you have to remember, Shinichi just lost his mom and nearly lost his dad. Right. The only reason, and when he saw his mom again, he basically had a nervous breakdown. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So if it wasn't for, yeah, if it wasn't for him merging with Miki, you could only, you know, you can only imagine what he would be going through having lost his mother and now his dad is just an incoherent drunk who oh, barely not, says two words. He's not incoherent, but <laughs> well, he's, yeah, I, he's like a step above incoherence. Put it that right. way. I mean, even if it was his dad that he lost and it was his mom and a lot, and, and women are given a lot more leeway in, in, breaking down it's easy to be harsh on the man because we're expected to be strong um, no matter what's going on so if this was his mom it is literally no one you know it is easier to give her the pass but even if it was his mom she still has a 16 or 15 year old son she has to take care of who just lost his other parent like yeah, you have to mourn too as the as the parent as as a parent who lost a spouse, you also have to mourn, but your highest priority needs to be your child. And you gotta put that shit away until you make sure that they're okay. 
but and and like I said, right. it's 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 everybody is different, and not everybody can do that. But it sucks when that kind of situation happens. Um, oh yeah, and that's why I feel like that. That's why I feel like they had him skip steps because it keeps that drama in there, and it further isolates <laughs> Shinichi. So, once again, big facts. So I don't know. We'll see. We will see indeed. So next, uh, so we'll go ahead and put our sponsor break here. And our next topic, uh, this was actually something that's been sitting in our Trello for, what, five, six months? Uh, for a while now. Um, and we have a lot of topics sitting in our trailer that, Trello. And before... And as we're coming up with new topics, we literally need to just number the other ones and go down that list. Because we have a lot of topics that are just sitting there that we haven't talked about. Right. So we're going to go ahead and take our sponsor break and then come back to talk about the K-pop industry. Mm. So we will return in a moment. (laughs) (laughs) K-pop! All right, welcome back, everybody. So I found two articles for this that I can uh, speak on. What did you find? Uh, I found a lot of stuff. I went back a little bit into its history, um, what it is, um, that the fact that there is a difference between K-pop and J-pop. So K-pop is South is Korean pop music, specifically South Korea. J-pop is the Japan pop music scene. Because normally right. when you see idols, especially if you're an anime watcher, you see idol, 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 idol. So you think Japan. And Japan mm-hmm. does have its own idol scene. But it is actually a separate scene from the K-pop scene. Ooh. They both basically run the same, though, from what I can tell. Um so this might be as much of a podcast on J-pop as K-pop, but I haven't gone as deep into J-pop, so I don't know if they I don't know if they're completely parallel. So um I mean it's 2020. If you haven't heard the song Gangnam Style, I'm pretty sure you're living in a cave. Gangnam Style mm. is an example of K-pop. Is that K-pop? Yeah, cuz uh Size from Korea. Well, right, but K-pop is K-pop is not a. I don't think it's a blanket blanket term generalization. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's a blanket term for pop music in Korea. Um, I think it is specifically meant for K-pop idols and idol bands, like boy bands and girl bands. Um, maybe I'm wrong on that, but every time I looked up K-pop, um, it immediately started talking about their idol groups. That was always yeah. what K-pop seemed to revert, uh, seemed to refer to. And, and you could be right and I could be wrong, but I, I, I guess, and I would say Gangnam Style is an example of a really catchy, earwormy song that came from Korea. 
And uh, yeah. as anime watchers, I'm sure we all have a couple favorite uh, starting or ending themes. <laughs> like uh, one I really like that I've watched the video for multiple times is the uh, ending for Get Backers. The, mm-hmm. the song is called Namida no Hurricane, which is Hurricane yeah. of Tears. And it's performed by the group Bon Bon Blanco, which is six hot Japanese or five hot Japanese girls, two of which are twins. Hmm. So, yeah, the uh oh no, continue. Well, I was gonna say so go ahead and, and give us the, the info on oh on on stuff, but if you wanna make a make a comment before you do that, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, uh, most of, I was just going to say, uh, it does seem like a lot of the K-pop or idol bands are uh, very much like five to seven or five to eight peop- uh, boys or girls. Mm-hmm. And they're never, it, from what I could tell, they're never mixed groups. There are, ne- there are no K-pop idol groups that are both bo- uh, male and female, which actually feeds into kind of the the way that K-pop groups are put together and why they're put together, but we'll get into that later. Mm. Um, but for those who don't know what K-pop, it like what K-pop really is, it's a popular music in South Korea, and it gets it is basically a hybrid of multiple other different genres. So K-pop groups may institute rock, jazz, gospel, hip hop. R&B and hip hop and R&B are actually very prominent because I sat down and listened to some K-pop hip hop and R&B are very, very prominent in the current uh, K-pop scene. Um, But they've instituted reggae before folk country, electronic dance, classify or and classical and etc. Like, Many, many, many different genres that they all pull from to make their own unique sounds and musics. Mm-hmm. Um, they even and they also institute traditional Korean musical uh, as well. Now, the K-pop scene goes back as far as nineteen as nineteen ninety two, um, and started with and one of the starting bands was Seo Taiji and the Boys, which was a very which was a popular K-pop group. Uh, that popped up in 1992. I'm, um, I'm going to assume it's the Korean version of. Uh, oh God, who was that? The oh, New Kids on the Block. There you go. New Kids on the Block. <laughs> yeah, like a Korean version of New Kids on the Block, which I think well, was our all, first way band. Well, they're all kind of a Korean version of. It, all of these bands, because uh, like I said, I was listening to some of them, but I also watched like their music videos. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all new kids on the block. Uh, I'm trying to remember names. Backstreet, uh, Backstreet Boys. Uh, what, 98 Degrees. Yeah, all of those. Same thing with the girl bands. They, that's literally what they are. They are it, what America left behind when we stopped our boy and girl band phase they picked up like they 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 Hmm. not only did they and and i don't mean they picked it up when we left it behind but they picked it up even while we were still in that phase and they just kept it going 
um, while we mm-hmm. sort of basically left it behind for singles and things like that. Because even America had its bands like Beyonce, Jodeci, and like you said, Backstreet Boys, uh, uh, 98 Degrees. Uh, yeah, Destiny's Child. So Spice Girls. Spice Girls, which was a big one. Uh, but they were like an English band that came to America. So, eh. Uh, I, I don't count them as one of ours. I, I actually count that as part of England's. Um, well, shit, I don't know. Oh, Dixie Chicks. There you go. Yeah, Dixie Chicks. Or I'm sorry. Well, Dixie, I'm it, sorry. It, it, can Dixie Chicks be guess, considered you know. a girl band? Because there was only two, right? Was it two or three? Three. Would, three. Is that enough members to be, consi- could be considered? Because I, I thought the, the uh, starting number was always a minimum of four. Maybe, but I, I'm I'm just thinking of of American bands that are comprised of all women, and like that was the only one I could. Well, think of I think that's American. Yeah, even with Mexico's. American bands, I think they were usually all male or all female. I can't think of any mixed ones. I can't even think of any mixed ones for us, though there may have been different reasons for that than uh, when it comes to K-pop and J-pop. Where am I going? There we go. But uh, so, uh, but back to topic on hand. So modern K-pop or the idol culture. So modern K-pop would be once the actual phrase idol for these groups became a thing. Um, Began in 1996 with the band Hot. High high five of teenagers uh, created by SM Entertainment. They are considered the first K-pop idol group. Uh, the K the K pop phenomenon exploded into the world with social networking and Korean TV shows known as the Korean Wave. So the big wave of K pop idol groups that started coming out was known as the Korean Wave, and that spread. That got an exponential growth off of social media becoming a big thing in the world because they got a lot more exposure. Uh, right now, K pop was previously called Gayo. G-A-Y-O, not sure, Gayo or Gayo, not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, which means pop music in well, Korea. Well, if, if uh, Hangul is anything like Nihongo, it would probably be Gayo. Okay, so Gayo then? That, well, I only know a couple swear words and how to say hello in Korean because I was stationed there. Gotcha. But if Hangul is anything like Japanese in his pronunciation, I'm not sure. And listeners, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the Japanese pronunciation for that would be Gaio. Hmm. Well, I suppose. So I mean, I don't know. Um, let's see. So, okay. So, as I was perusing all of this information and was looking at these groups and listening to them and stuff, I was uh like i okay so the most popular currently what is considered the most popular k-pop group in the world right now is bts right and that immediately made me go what does bts stand for so i look it up i look it up and it stands for uh bangtan boys which bangtan means bulletproof or am I am I remember mm. that right? 
no, no, no. Oh, it was, it was, it was, it was better than that. Bulletproof Boy Scouts. That's what it. That's what the name actually comes out to. Bulletproof Boy Scouts. <laughs> and I don't know why, but my brain immediately asked. So they're Power Rangers. Crane, probably crane, um, tiger, dragon, tiger, crane, dragon, boar, you know, some, some shit like that. Yeah. So, uh, hold on just a second. Go ahead and, uh, talk, David. I'll be back in just a minute. Okay. So, um, oh, I'm getting put on the spot. Uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about J-pop because uh, that's mainly what I've listened to. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> I guess, well, probably more anime songs, but, uh, you know, I've listened to J-pop music with my Amazon device, and uh, there's some really interesting songs. There's, uh, trying to think. There's a band called Goose House, and they have a really catchy song, and it's actually the intro theme for an anime. That's fine. Go ahead. Oh, no, you're fine. Finish what you were saying, and then we'll get back to me. No, I just did. Oh, okay. I was was talking about uh, the little bit I know about J-pop, and one of the bands called Goose House (laughs) has a really catchy song. And it's uh, basically the intro to an anime. Yeah, there were uh, I act. I've never really sat down <clears throat> and listened to K-pop before. I have to admit, there's some of the songs were actually really catchy and kept my attention. And and like I said, they they're heavy in R and B and hip hop. So I immediately started, you know, like connecting to it and keying to it. Couldn't help myself. Um. But I found so once I realized that BTS stood for Bulletproof Boy Scouts, I started looking into other uh, K-pop group uh, names, and I was like, okay, do they, they do they all have a meaning? Then what what are some of the mean? So some of the biggest K-pop groups today, BTS being considered nominally or generally over in the music industry as the biggest one right now. Um, X EXO is one one big one. Twice Luna and GOT seven or GOT seven. And okay, so EXO is taken from the exoplanet, meaning planets outside the solar system. So that's that's okay. That's cool. Twice is a female K-pop band. And okay, so I sat down to listen to a Twice. Uh, song right it's called yes or yes this song literally talks about how they're the the girl is in a relationship with a guy and she has decided that her answer to him is yes i don't know if for it 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 talks about how she's being shameless and whatnot so i assume the answer is for sex to be intimate um and south korea is heavily conservative right so this is a big kind of rebellion kind of song, I guess. But she's like, okay, so my answer is yes. What is your answer? If it's too hard, 
I will give you your options. And the options are yes or yes. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, wait, what? It's like, it is an entire song of telling a dude, well, my answer is we're going to do this. And if you can't seem to figure out what your answer is, well, these are your options. Yes or yes. <laughs> it's like, and I was like, and my brain goes, oh, my God, a dude could not make a song talking to a girl about anything and going, these are your options. Yes or yes. <laughs> I could never do that. I was like, Wow. Okay, um, let me stop you there. Mm-hmm. Gotta go do something. I'll be back in 10, 15 minutes, if that's okay. Mm. I will continue talking about the thing. Um, what the hell is that? So, I thought that that was, that was wow. But twice, the actual name of the group... Um, was named by the founder of JYP Entertainment. So, do, hmm? so let me just interrupt you. Do you just want to keep talking and then I'll come back? Or do you want to pause? Well, we'll go why don't we go ahead and we'll take a we'll do another sponsor break and then we'll come back. Hmm. All right. Sounds good. We will be back in a little bit. Okay. okay. We are there. Hopefully no more interruptions this time. <laughs> we can only pray to whatever God will listen. <laughs> Indeed. So, continue where you left off. Uh, I was talking about the AK pop group twice, um, and the name that was uh, du- that was uh, created or made by the founder of JYP Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to butcher these names, all of them, but Park mm-hmm. Jin Young, I think, uh, and it said it was the act of making an impact once through the ears and once through the eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you have uh, another group called Luna, which is referenced from Idero Sonio and translates as girl of the month because each of the girls in the group was periodically released to the public. Hmm. Um, and then the one... Shady as fuck. I know, right? <laughs> uh, and the one that really got me was Got7. And they came up with the name because the seven is considered lucky. So the name is actually... Uh, seven <laughs> people who got lucky. Hmm. I was like, wow, that is more true than anything else that I have read about this. <laughs> hmm. right. um, and their fans started calling them I Got Seven. So I assume I Got Lucky? Pro- is well, that, what that's, that's, what, that's what I would assume because you said yeah, that's and, uh, that's uh, probably the Korean centric uh, that seven's a lucky number. I think in uh, 
Well, no, no. In in Japan, nine and three are both unlucky numbers, which, or no, nine and four, because that adds up to thirteen, which is our unlucky number. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I but yeah. Assumed that when you said got seven and seven was considered a lucky number, I was like, oh, so the band's called Got Lucky. Gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> um. So those are five of the the biggest groups right now, um, and I thought their naming conventions were really interesting. So I just wanted to point that out. Um, Indeed. Uh, and I also noticed when I was listening to them, I also noticed that they like to use a lot of English, and apparently because it is taught to them, and because they actually have English music artists go uh, from America, go over and actually write the songs for some of these bands. Will I Am is one of them. Sean Garrett mm. is one of them. Also, the fact that a lot of Korean Americans bring it back with them. Like, they'll come over here to get educated, and then they'll go back over there, and they'll put it in. So that's why if anyone who listens to K-pop and never really knew, and was like, why are there so many English words in Korean pop uh, music? That's why. Um, it's just carried over. Uh, yeah, now, and, I also uh, thought... Go ahead. That's, a, that's a kind of a an interesting cross-cultural thing, especially in Japan. Um, you know how we like to get Japanese tattoos? And I think it's even been in some anime. You know, the, you know they'll be wearing a shirt with like an English phrase on it. Because it's, you know, it's not, you know, Nihongo. But that, that, I just wanted to make that point. So continue. Gotcha. Oh, good. Okay. Um, now, I thought this was funny. Apparently in 2016, China banned K-pop. Because yeah. Korea agreed to help establish the THAAD, which is a terminal high-altitude area defense unit uh, with the U.S. So the U.S. installed a missile defense unit in, on Korean soil. And apparently China saw that as a threat to their national security and told Korea not to allow America to do it, and Korea allowed us to do it, and so they banned K-pop from their country. <laughs> yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me. It, it honestly doesn't. Yeah, just more China being more the. Chi I won't say China as if it's all the people in China, but it's more of the Chinese government being a bunch of shitheads. Um, checkers. Yeah. <laughs> so now we get into the part of talking about the. The K-pop industry in and of itself. How does one become a K-pop idol? What does the industry do? Okay, this is this is some this is some shady stuff when you talk when you start getting into exactly how the industry works. So when it comes to K-pop and becoming an idol, you are usually recruited at a young age, and what you have to do is you basically audition. And if you are selected, you are then immediately put into training. And they teach you music, they teach you language, they teach you math, like they teach you everything that they feel is necessary for you to succeed. 
and they house you, they feed you, they book your stuff. Now, the thing about that is you're not part of a K-pop group when they do that. You are basically a trainee. Think of it as a talent service, right? So you have companies in America who hire you on and have you work for a company, but you are not considered working for that company. You are working for the talent agency who is getting paid by the company who is then paying you. And then if the company likes you, the company takes you on as their own like personal employee. And then you're an employee of the company and you're no longer connected to the talent agency. And that's kind of the way it works. You start off auditioning. If you get picked, you are a trainee. And you are a trainee until you are debuted with a group. And if you don't get debuted with the group, you are a trainee. Constant, you're still on the same training schedule. There are trainees who have been trainees for upwards of 10 years at a time. Mm-hmm. There is mm-hmm. no guarantee you will ever be chosen to uh, become part of a pop group. And you might think, well, what's the big deal? They pay for all your shit and everything, and all you got to do is, is is train yourself and learn and stuff like that. Sounds good. The problem is all the money they invest in you to do that, they expect to be returned. So the, hmm. as long as you're a trainee, you're actually drowning yourself in debt. And it has been estimated that the amount of money they put into a trainee to get them the classes they need, the dancing lessons, the singing lessons to feed them, to house them can come out to millions of dollars, especially if you're a trainee for over a course of a decade and you have to pay that money back. There are plenty of reports of trainees or ex-pop. Uh, trainees or even ex-pop stars because even if you become part of a group there's no guarantee you will become so popular that you'll be able to make enough money to pay back that debt so there are Mm -hmm. plenty of stories of people working still today working off that debt working nine to five jobs trying to pay it off um and the thing is the way the k-pop industry works is it, it, it you're pr- the idols are basically barbie and ken dolls they are selling a product it is i'm reading through this and i'm like this is the most turning a human into a product i have ever read <laughs> right? like they are products they're told how to dress they're told how to dance they're told how to sing they're on extremely strict schedules there are reports of um their bus drivers like their actual uh their tour bus drivers and chauffeurs literally driving dangerously to get them from one debut to another debut or from one gig to another gig driving in all kinds of dangerous weather doesn't matter. Uh, there are reports of them being pressured into plastic surgery because the standards of beauty in South Korea, and we bitch about we bitch about the standards yeah. of beauty in America. They're ten times as worse when it comes to their standard of beauty in South uh, South Korea. Like the standard of beauty in South Korea is insane. Um, I can imagine. So you are from the moment you accept that contract, you are immediately in debt. 
if you don't make it big, like like I said, even if you become part of a group, you may not make it big. So if you don't make it big enough to pay back that debt, you're just in debt. And the longer you're a trainee or an idol, the more in debt you are. Like some of the biggest groups now, like BTS, they make they're basically superstars, just like they like our stars here in America. They make millions upon millions of dollars, and they're living life of luxury. But those are rare cases in in the overall grand scheme of things, because there's like a cut, like ten to twenty groups that are doing that. Mm-hmm. But there are also another hundred that aren't and working mm-hmm. their butts off constantly and just getting deeper and deeper in the debt, um, being told or pressured that they have to do this or they have to do that. Not to mention they are not allowed to have any form of actual intimate social life. So no boyfriends, no girlfriends. And that mm-hmm. is specifically to market them better because in the industry – it is considered that if you don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, then your fans still see you as accessible to them, which available, makes them, right. uh, yeah. yeah, makes them more available. So then they are bigger fans. They buy more of the merchandise. They go to more of the concerts so that they can meet you and things like that. Um, there was a you weren't. I was going to. Yeah, like it. And there are some K-pop stars who talk about, nah, it's fine. This is what I wanted to do. I love doing what I'm doing, and it doesn't bother. Like, it. I don't know if there is a population issue in South Korea, but if K-pop, if the K-pop industry is parallel or indicative of what the J-pop industry is, there's no, there's no surprise in the fact that the Japanese population is declining. Because they're not allowed to have relationships, but everybody wants to be these idols. Everyone is becoming like trainees and trying to make it big. I won't say everyone, but there's a large portion of the youth that is trying to do this. Um, Not to mention just the normal work social climate of basically the Asian part of the hemisphere, which Mm -hmm. unfortunately our work climate is becoming more and more like. We might want to do a topic on that too. Um. Wait, so, so let me write that down and give me give me <laughs> the title of the topic. Well, we'll do we'll do that after the podcast. Um so there have even been uh there have even been examples of suicides that have happened because of the uh just the overall ridiculousness of the K pop industry. Um and, and that's so and that's not just relegated to K-pop. That's a uh, that's also another Asian uh, Asian culture, uh, I guess, either taboo or hot topic. Yeah, it's actually also starting to increase here in the Americas in the uh, entertainment industry as well. Suicides are actually starting to increase in the entertainment industry in America as well. Uh, well honestly, suicides over. You've heard of the 27 Club, right? No. Kurt Cobain, uh, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, all died at the age of 27. Yeah. And two of the biggest prominent uh, suicides in K- in like the K-pop industry are... Uh, are all, they also died at around 27, 28. They, uh, and... Uh, it was mostly because uh, – so, okay, so 
one, let's take an example of one. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a K-pop singer, Suli, from the group FX. It was an all-female group. Her actual name was Choi Jin-ri, and sorry if I'm not pronouncing that correctly. Uh, um, now, I was gonna, what is it? Yeah, I think Choi is right. Yeah. Um, and she committed suicide, and she was kind of a pariah in the K-pop industry because, like I said... South Korea has a very high standard of beauty. It is very, very conservative. Um, and idols are not allowed to have, uh, you know, boyfriends and stuff. Um, but she was a very big proponent of, you know, feminism, or at least her uh, criticizers called her a feminist. Uh, she didn't like, she would not wear bras when she went out in the public, which was a really big no-no. Uh, and she had a boyfriend. So she was very much a rebel in the K in the very conservative K-pop industry. She also uh, didn't stay in K-pop. She actually uh, did uh, television series, movies, films, uh, TV. Uh, I think uh, I want to say talk shows. Um, I didn't note down every single one of them because I didn't want to go through that long list. But this was a girl who had talent. She was on top of the world. She was considered one of the foremost entertainers in the business. And she went back into K-pop. And it wasn't too long after going back into K-pop that they found her, like, they, they found her body one day, right? No suicide note, no anything. And the thing is, they found her manager found her in her room and she had hung herself. Hmm. What is going on that would force a person to literally hang themselves? And this was an incredibly talented and successful woman <laughs> in mm -hmm. her late 20s. Yeah. So it really, really, really brings in, you know, what might have been going on. And I'm not saying that, oh, the K-pop industry is what drove her to suicide. What I'm saying is it was absolutely a factor. It was absolutely a contributing factor. There's <laughs> no way to deny that. Right? No matter, no matter how much uh, reaching with T-Rex arms spinning you can do, it was a factor. Yeah, it was a factor. Um, so it's like, yeah, like K, like K-pop, like we, we look at all these idols and things and we see them and we, we, you know, we're big fans and we love them and we love the music they do and we love that they bring it to us, but rarely do we really look into the industry and what the industry is doing to these people. Right. right. And, and as I said before, some of them are perfectly fine. A lot of them are not, though, and the industry doesn't care because, as as I've stated before, this is the most this human being is a product to be marketed and make money off of. Ooh, that yeah, that, that was, a, that was a, a, a lateral point I was I wanted to make uh, in in the in the cost of training, like you said, um, if mm -hmm. I remember correctly the cost to the government to train a, an army soldier is like 
250 to $500,000 for just one, for one soldier going through, going through basic training. Yeah. And then, and then AIT. And then an, another point that, that I want to make the, the similarity is also there in J pop. Cause you know, it's, I almost kind of want to say it's like evil job core. You know, you, you sign on your training, you probably live in, in a dorm with, you know, all the other trainees and and in J-pop, especially like in K-pop, you're not allowed to have a boyfriend because, or girlfriend because they want that air of availability. And especially in, especially in j-pop and and you might have a corollary for this for k-pop but um there there's a thing where where male fans will shell out so much yen just to buy albums like they'll they'll buy a hundred copies of the same album because that album gives you a ticket and when you go to a concert this ticket allows you to hold hands with your favorite idol for like 10 seconds. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that's crazy. I was uh I was reading that um I think they do a similar kind of thing where you can buy time to like talk to them. Mhm. I think I remember that being uh one of the things that I read about it and it's expensive. Yes. It is very expensive. And fans will um, dole out the one, they'll dole out the yen to do it. Yeah. Like they absolutely will. Um uh, this it, oddly enough, that brings us back to what we started the podcast uh talking about, whereas <laughs> fans will pay for the things that they want, so give them the things that they want. Um, but of course it is a far different, um, it's a much different beast when it comes to it being a human being. Right. Um, there have to be, there, there have to be different standards. Yeah. Cause especially when it, like you said, when it comes to K-pop or J-pop, when they sign that contract, they're now essentially property of that recording group or, you know, studio or company or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think what brought this whole thing up to me putting this on Trello was the dark side of episode that I listened to about J-pop, which is why, you know, I, I have this knowledge because I listened to that episode. And, and it was in that episode that, you know, the, the host talked about how male fans would buy hundreds of copies of, a re- of an album just to get that ticket so they could stand there and hold hands with their favorite idol. Now imagine mm. you got, you got a creepy, creepy, let's say a creepy Shinichi just to use, use the name from <laughs> parasite. You got creepy yeah. Shinichi holding hands with Haruko. How do you think she feels? The, 
with this dude probably giving her lecherous bedroom eyes and just like, uh, oh, idle hands. <sighs> well, not just that. If we're going to use that analogy, what about the Shinichi that has to hold hands with the Kana? <laughs> who's been sending him fan letters and stalking him through social media and now all of a sudden he has to stand next to this girl and hold her hand so that that's the other side of the idle coin <laughs> right yeah so it's like yeah that that absolutely goes both ways so yeah it's it's rough it's it's that is that's why I always said that if I ever get rich, I don't want the fame. I just want the money. I do not want the fame. Get rich like with the world the way it is, you get rich and you disappear. You don't get rich and jump in a spotlight. Like people who stay in a spotlight, they need that validation and they need that attention. I do not. Just give me the money and I'll vanish. Because that that narcissism, I think, is uh, because that's thrown around in politics a lot for uh, for the president. Oh, he's a narcissist. He just wants the attention. But, you know, I'm I'm right there with we get we get rich. We're disappearing to a bunker. You know, I'll I'll take Christy and the cats. You know, you just grab whatever you need. We're going to find a bunker, a house in a bunker, and we'll do our podcast from the bunker. (laughs) Yeah, I don't I don't know what it is, I, especially when you see all the issues that like movie stars and uh, recording artists have when it comes to paparazzi and everybody always being in their lives and them ne- never having the natural amount of privacy allotted to a, a no- a, you know, just an average person. Like, I just, I, I don't, yet they continue doing it. There, there are recording artists who will literally drop off the map for like a, a, a couple of months or their popularity will go down and then they'll come back and do some, and their, their image has changed wildly just so that they can get the attention. It's not even for the money. They have the money. If their career starts going down, they could literally stop their career. They have all the money they need and they could just write songs for other artists. They could stay in the business they love and do the things they love but they come back to the spotlight and i always felt that and i always felt like no it, they're not coming back for the music they're coming back for, for that attention. attention they're coming back for that validation and i think so, Eminem, Eminem's a really good example of that cuz like he you know he dropped his albums and then he did uh uh D12 the the dirty dozen he did those albums and, you know, of course, he's partnered with Dr. Dre. And then he just kind of stopped recording until, I think, 2015 or something. Then he did that, uh, he did that, like, uh, you know, phone camera shot video in, in the on the parking deck, uh, you know, giving, giving props to Obama for everything and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And he had a he had a fucking beard. I was like, yeah, okay, all right, yeah, cool. You know, you, you, you go get your five minutes again, bro. Go get it. Yeah, pretty much. 
And and like I said, it's like because you didn't you don't have to come back for the spotlight. Eminem could have wrote songs with guys. He could have continued to do he could have continued to make music, write his own songs and everything. Because you can write a song and then sell it to another artist uh for royalties. He could have flooded the market with his songs being sung by other artists and made just as much money that way as he was making actually being on stage and doing it. And I even understand how, and I even understand that some people are like, well, it's, it's maybe they love being an entertainer. And I can understand that because then I look to comedians who are up on stage and and they, they love to entertain. They love to make people laugh. They love to make people feel good. And I can understand it from that point too, but you've been doing it for 10 years. Right. But if that's what you love to do, I can understand them coming back because they like to be an entertainer. Um, But the spotlights that they tend, but that's when you go, but look at how radically they change themselves. Like, look at uh, a a really good example actually is Miley Cyrus when she started off on her own music career and she was the wholesome, she, you know, she was the wholesome country girl. And as soon as her popularity started falling off, she came back as the rebellious, shortcut hair dyed. I, uh, you came in like a wrecking ball, <laughs> right? Yep, yep. And, and you're gonna tell me she came back doing all of that simply because she likes to entertain? No, that's yeah. absolutely because she needed the attention. She wanted the spotlight. She needed yeah, the nah, validation. Nah, bro. That that was all. That was all getting that that sweet sweet attention she wants. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so it's 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 crazy. The entertainment industry is crazy. Everywhere you go, everywhere you go, it might be especially bad in some areas, but everywhere you go, the entertainment industry is crazy. Um, yeah. But well, that's all I've got for the K-pop industry. And like I said, I've been listening to some of these groups, especially the five that I pointed out. They've got some good stuff. Like, I found myself, like, bopping my head to the beat. Found myself, I, I, I was feeling it, man. I was feeling it. Like, I like it's not bad music in any shape, in any shape or form. It's it's good music. Um. It, it's just that there's always two sides, right? There's there's what we see up on stage, and then there's the shady shit that happens behind the scenes that we ignore or don't know about. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think. Uh, la- I think it was earlier this year or last year when I was driving home from work. Uh, I was listening to NPR, and they they talked. They had a, a segment about. Um, about a J-pop group that actually expanded out. So, like the original group was, and it was a, it was a three, a three-letter. It was like, it was something forty-eight. I'm trying was to it look hot? it up. No, 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 no. It was, okay. uh, it was a three-letter word or three-letter uh, term for the uh, prefecture they came from. I wanted I wanted mm. to say it was Akihabara, but it's probably not. What what's some of them other ones that we've heard in anime? Uh, oof, 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 oof. Uh, <laughs> off the top of my head, I can't think. Of, yeah, it's when 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 someone goes, "What are some of those other ones?" and then you go, "Oh," and then your brain just goes blank. 
Um, Hang on, I'm I'm doing a Google search. Oh wow! I used to know these by heart, and I can't bring a single one to mind. Um, why is memory bad? (laughs) (laughs) I might be forty-eight is what it's called. Okay. So, so it is Akihabara. I just did it the wrong way. So that okay. was the, that was the main group, and then it splintered off to like India, to Korea, to I think even South America, and and mm. AKB forty eight is like it's like ten girls, ten girls plus. I'm looking at the pictures. No mm. more than that. Holy shit! There's like no. 48 because that that's where the 48 comes from there's 48 why is this i don't know why but that sounds familiar what AKB i want to say what the well not specifically the name akb akb 48 but that i remember i was talking to a friend of mine uh cody and Speaking he's of. really into K-pop. Mu- he's really into K-pop music and, uh, and 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 the genre and the scene. And I think I remember him mentioning that there was a group that had like forty something plus members. And I was like, "What? What do you even do with forty members in, a, in, in an all girl band?" They um, they rotate out the lead singer, it, it, and it, it's almost run like a reality show. So, um, huh. From those forty-eight, the ones who get the most likes, you know, for for like a a concert, mm-hmm. next concert, they're the lead singer. They're the they're the front woman, mm. which is just more jankiness when it comes to Asian pop music, the Asian pop music industry. Ah, nah, competition is fine. It's healthy. It's healthy, <laughs> except when it's. <laughs> driven competition like for like for akb 48 their their record label literally pits them against one another to try to be the front woman Mm. yeah makes sense why wouldn't they (laughs) because because they're a product now they're they're not even it's like our whole thing about behemoths aren't people you know J-pop singers aren't people; they're they're product, and they have to be pushed. Yeah, <sighs> I, I uh, you, you can't even. Well, no, it's just <sighs> competition is fine. But competition in its spirit is meant to simply test your skills against someone else. The fun is in testing your skills, not winning or losing. But we've we have absolutely turned it into a, you know, winning or losing. And we like to say, well, winning isn't everything. But then um, I think a movie coined the term winning isn't everything. It's just the only thing that matters. Hmm. Right. Right. It, well, okay. So I, I think like we've we've taken winning as as like a culture and turned it into a lifestyle, right? Mm. Which I suppose is only natural. I mean, it's I mean it's how we've it's it's literally how we've evolved. 
So, I mean, I guess it's only natural to do that, but yeah. But, uh, but listeners, if you are interested in doing your own research into the, as I like, as I, as I'm using the term janky, the jankiness of K-pop or J-pop industries, you know, all you have to do is do a Google search. I mean, I, I did a Bing search for the, for the two articles that I found for, for K-pop scandals and, uh, and the whatnot. Ooh, let me, let me pull those up, the, especially the scandals. Cause there was a really nice one and the girl's hot. <laughs> of course I have to say that, right? So it must be noted. So this is from koreaboo.com, the top 12 most controversial scandals of all times for K-pop. And I, and I wanted to start, start the K-pop segment with, you know, these people have some very interesting names for themselves. Like this, uh, like this number one on the list is G dragon. <laughs> so, so number, <laughs> number one on the list G Dragon Dry Humps in quotations, a backup dancer on stage. And the article has a video where it looks like they're doing, like he's, she's like pressed up against him and he's got an arm wrapped around her neck. And yeah, so. Ooh, and then this one, number two, looks like, and like you were saying, uh, you know, Asian Asian culture is very conservative in its uh, leanings. So, mm-hmm. number two, public rumor spreading that Yu kisses Soo Hyun and Joe Kwon were in a relationship. Being, mm-hmm. those are two two guys in a k-pop band and then it has pictures what's that i was like i was just saying i was even wondering about that when i was listening to them not being able to have like relationships there's got to be some girl on girl or some guy on guy action going on right but oh does the asian half of the hemisphere frown on that (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. okay so Okay, and then there's uh... – all right, hang on a second. I'm being summoned, Uh, so let me go ahead. Well, go ahead and put a break in here, and then we'll come back. Okay, so break initiated. We will be right back. Be right back, folks. We're going to go ahead and get everything wrapped up. Yeah, just before uh, anything bad happens – all right. All right. Uh, do you remember what you were talking about last? No, we're just going to wrap everything up. Final thoughts. Oh, okay. So, into final thoughts. Um, I, I'm still waiting for Parasite to engage me. That's just how I feel. Um, but, like I said before, the last time, uh, willing to see where it goes see if it can pull me in at some point in time. Everything's been I don't know. Everything feels kind of like it's been kind of by the numbers so far. So we'll have to see if they shake it up somehow. Um, oh. At least for me anyway. Uh, you may not feel the same way, but for me it's kind of been by the numbers. Um, as far yeah, as I the K-pop industry uh, music um, 
shady shit going on behind the scenes, but that's the entertainment business. I kind of look at it like this because we tend to go, well, that's just the business. That's just the industry. But I kind of look at it like this. Um, and R. Kelly is a really good example of this. Mm. Made really good music, was a shit human being. So do you, and I was talking to a friend of mine about this because uh, he was telling me he felt guilty about liking R. Kelly's music still after everything that happened. And I was like, no, nah, you shouldn't. It's that he made good music, period. He made good music. He just turned out to be a shitty human being. So mm-hmm. enjoy the music he's already made that you already paid for. Just don't pay for anything else that he puts his hands on because he's a shitty human being. Hmm. So we'll make the distinction of, well, R. Kelly was a horrible human being, so you should never buy an album. You shouldn't listen to his music. Everything he does and ever has does and has touched should just be destroyed. Same thing with like Bill Cosby and yeah, kind of back and forth with Michael Jackson. But you go, well, everything they've ever done is just trash. We're, we're done. You don't listen to it. If you listen to it, you must you know, support them or something like that. So when you have that argument, then you have to look at the entire entertainment industry and go, well, you're supporting that. And it does shady, terrible stuff to its artists all the time. So, yeah, the K-pop industry is, uh, it, I mean, it's its a music industry. The music that comes out of it can be really good. And if you like that kind of thing, not a, bit, not a big deal. Just keep in mind, there is stuff going on in that industry that morally and ethically should not be considered okay. Mm-hmm. Right? So, those are my thoughts. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. Uh, you know, in, enjoy it. But if if someone's done something something janky, enjoy what came out before the jankiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, again, back to uh, back to Genesis Alpha One. I'm still playing it. I've been playing it while we were recording. Uh, I'm paused right now, but uh, still very interesting game. Um, if you have Xbox, give it a try. I'm not sure if it's on PlayStation or Steam, but you know, I all can't hurt to take a look. It's called Genesis Alpha One by Team Seventeen Games. So you know, give it a try if you like it. Great if you don't, well, you know, you gave it a try. Yeah. Parasite. Oh. Uh- Oh, sorry. Continue. No, yeah. no, no. Continue. My my comment can wait. Yeah, Parasite. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's it's our differences in in how we view the anime. Like uh, I've said on a previous podcast, I liked Baki, whereas I I didn't really care for Gilgamesh. But Gerald loved Gilgamesh and hated Baki. So you know, it, it's it's a. I guess it's that's the interplay we have. So yeah, I, I like the action, even if there's not as much action as would be in say Dragon Ball or Naruto or whatever. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, 
Shinichi's still fucking pissed, even though, uh, you know, his, his mom's killer, the parasite that killed his mom is dead. Uh, so I guess we'll see where that goes. It seems he can still feel that emotion. He can't cry, but he can be pissed. Yeah. Other than that, uh, that's all I've got. Uh, I hope everyone's enjoyed the episode. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at GSAEUTS. We have our locals page, which I'm trying to remember correctly is a GSAEUTS podcast dot locals dot com. Uh, you know, give us give us feedback. Tell us what you'd like to hear. Tell us what we've done right. Tell us what we've done wrong. You know, just even just say hi. You know, we, we've gotten no feedback from anyone in the year and a half we've done this. Give us feedback, damn it. Yeah, pretty much. By all means, give us feedback, comment, uh, make your opinions heard. Exactly. And with that, everyone. Uh, Go ahead. Sorry. Make, make oh, no. I was just going to tell you uh, the Avengers beta is free, should be open and free for everyone. So you should be able to play it on Xbox now for no purchase. Yeah, I saw uh, it on. And no uh, pre purchase. Yeah. I think I saw it on Thursday or Friday. Yeah. So just wanted to let you know that. But yep, uh, everybody take care of yourselves out there. Have a good day. Continue having a good week. And we will look forward to seeing you or talking to you on the next podcast. Yep. Everyone have a good one. Gamers out. Take care.